0: To the Checker to Green podcast with your hosts, David Motti and Elliot Tardiff.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the From Checker to Green podcast. He is Elliot Tardiff. I am David Motti, and our producer, the man, the myth, and the legend, Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, how are you doing today?
0: Doing well, sir. Thank you. Uh, glad to hear all of you again. Hope everybody's staying healthy and safe out there and holding on to those few shreds of sanity that we got left. <laughs> uh, doing very well as well. Uh, very
2: beautiful, crisp day down in uh, the eastern Piedmont of North Carolina. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, like y'all, just, uh, you know, getting by one day at a time here and uh, trying to wait this thing out and. Hoping, uh, hoping to be able to get out and enjoy time, or just uh, uh, enjoy a concert or, or something here uh, soon, where we don't have to keep pushing all of these back. You know, hopefully, we can get to a point where we're in a we're in a better place.
1: Yeah, definitely doing well up here in Syracuse. Nice day today. I got to do a little power washing on the house and the sidewalk this morning enjoying the beautiful weather and I agree with you you know definitely you know itching to you know get out do things and hoping that you know things you know are, are turning the corner and, and turning the page and you just gotta keep positive we're gonna do it we're gonna get through this and we'll be enjoying things down the road even more but we're gonna For have sure. a We're definitely going to have a great show for you today. We're going to give you some updates with NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, Sprint Car, some of the news going on there. Last show, we we talked about the COVID-19 and how... Literally, racing came to the halt. We talked about some of our classic races, but today we want to give you some more updates, spotlight that. But before we do, there's been a lot of sim racing going on, and we want to highlight that in our checkered segment.
2: Elliot? Yes, sir. The iRacing Pro Invitational Series has been uh, pretty much the main series for all of the big names in uh, in NASCAR. Uh, to have participated in here uh, since uh, racing uh, came to a halt a couple of months ago. Uh, they've run five races to this point. They've got a sixth one planned uh, this over. Uh, so to this point, it, um the first couple of races were largely won by people that had, have been in sim racing for a long time. So uh, Denny Hamlin, Timmy Hill, William Byron, and indeed, William Byron won two in a row, one at Bristol, one at, at Richmond, in that case, beating Timmy Hill, who had moved him out of the way at Texas to win that particular race. Uh, and then at Talladega, uh, which was run the last weekend in April, uh, Jeff Gordon made his return to the racing scene and uh, had quite the epic day at one point, ending up stuck in the catch fence. But Alex Bowen ended up winning that race, and uh, you know, obviously, some uh, some controversies along the way. Uh, you know, one one rage quit, and one other uh, incident in another series that uh, we will discuss in much greater detail later on here. But uh, I think starting from Richmond onward, I kind of got back to uh, the main storylines of any race weekend: the the quality of the racing, some beefs between drivers and, and at least in the some spectacular virtual wrecks at uh, at Talladega so so that that's the the summary from uh, the NASCAR side of things. how did things go in IndyCar? Well IndyCar
1: went very well last time we talked Sage Karam had one Watkins Glen then they ran a couple more tracks they, they ran um, Barber which I apologize my the name slipped but the penske driver who's been running in australia mclaughlin i believe his name is yep scott
2: mclaughlin Yep,
1: scott mc thank you won the second race and then and um then they went to michigan and dalen hart jr was in that he put a podium finish uh, in third position he almost won it he did he took a pit strategy or early and pitted early and was there at the end at the first caution. But Simon Paginot, uh, the 2019 Indy 500 winner, won that race. And then they ran Twin Ring Motegi, which IndyCar has not been there in years. And they did a virtual race there. And Simon Paginaw won that. Then they went to CODA because CODA was canceled this year. They took CODA, and Lando Norris won that race. And then today, the IndyCars decided they were going to do a non-IndyCar Dream Track. And I guess it was a fan vote. And it looks like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway won out. So they are doing... 175-mile uh, called the First Responder 175 at 2.30 today, on May 1st, and that is... good. Or May 2nd, sorry. The article came up yesterday. May 2nd, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's a 70-lap event. It's going to be on NBCSN, and they actually have... 33 drivers they qualified and drivers like Kyle Bush James Hinchcliffe missed the field for qualifying like they qualified and they were just weren't fast enough so we got a virtual Indy 500 today going on so that should be interesting to see who wins I can tell you the starting lineup Scott McLaughlin has the pole. Lando Norris second. Scott Speed will be third. Graham Murray, Hall fourth. Ed Carper starts fifth. That's your top five. But if you go IndyCar.com, you can see the highlights there. They'll, they'll post on there, but it's also going to be on NBC Sports. The last driver to get in was Helio Castroneves, was the last qualifier. And they were doing about, 227, 228 there. So it should be interesting today. Very cool. And I guess the World of Outlaws did some too. Uh, World of Outlaws did some racing on FS1. They're on CBS Sports Network as well. I watched some of those and that was cool because you had Kyle Bush going, Cruz Pedregon, um Kevin Swindell won a race and if you don't know about kevin swindell he won knoxville and that was a track where he sadly was paralyzed at he had a wreck and he ended up being paralyzed so a special setup and kudos to kevin swindell for getting behind there and conquering a track that you know conquered him at one point
2: very cool yeah. well with uh so that's uh the brief synopsis of the um of everything that has gone on at this point, we're going to be right back after this short break. We've got a lot to discuss today. We've got uh, a whole bunch of things NASCAR to talk about right on the other side of this break.
0: The Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Are you looking to give your business an identity of its own to help stand out among your competitors? Consider new design work from Samurai Graphics logo design business cards letterheads and all manner of other designs to help your business stand out and give it its own unique look to sell your brand better than your competitors contact aaron j saylor at samurai graphics 716 at gmail.com to get started and help come up with a design that fits best for you and now back to from check it to green podcast with david maudy and elliot tardif
1: Welcome back, race fans, and thank you, Ryan, again, for doing our producing for this. So today, we gave you a little brief we wanted to get into some NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, Sprint car our, in our spotlight today. We're going to start out with NASCAR. There's been a lot of big news coming out of the world of NASCAR over the past few weeks, especially the past few days, and I'm, we're going to turn it to
2: Elliot very good thank you dave there's been a lot of as as you've mentioned there's been a lot of big stories that have come out of nascar here in, in recent weeks um, and and since we uh were last on the air um, so let's uh I think the best way to to go about it is just to go from beginning to end not long after we recorded our last episode there was um a virtual race called Monza Madness that uh, Landon Castle put together and you had uh, racers from across all spectrums of motorsport that participated in it. One of them was Kyle Larson uh, and uh, during the course of that event he uttered a uh, racial slur which uh, was broadcast on uh, multiple Twitch streams and uh, um, eventually or, or very quickly became public knowledge. The fallout of that was uh, very swift and very severe. Uh, Kyle Larson was uh, fired from his uh, his ride at Chip Ganassi Racing within 48 hours of the incident. He was uh, suspended uh, indefinitely from NASCAR pending of sensitivity, um, which uh, where he runs uh, the uh, uh, dirt events uh, with his his own race team has said that. Uh, he also needs to uh, complete sensitivity training uh, in order to uh, race with them as well, if I'm not mistaken. So not long after that, uh, obviously, there was a lot of uh, question about, well, what what was the future of the 42 car and who was going to take that over? There was a lot of uh, attention paid almost immediately to Ross Chastain, um, having had a a business relationship with Ganassi as a matter of fact still being under contract with him but um, Ganassi uh, had loaned him out according to Matt Weaver of AutoWeek to call Racing racing uh, to run for the Xfinity championship in 2020 and as a result of that even though Chastain has by coincidence um, run all of the cup events of- to this point um, as well he has declared uh, his candidacy for the Xfinity Championships. Under NASCAR rules, he can only run for points in one of the three national touring series. So that is uh, his intention. So with that in mind, Ganassi went in a different direction to hire a driver to complete, uh, at the very least, the remainder of the 2020 season. And with that in mind, um, he Uh, made a pick that quite frankly not a lot of people saw coming least of all me on April 19th I believe it was it was announced that uh, Ganassi had hired Matt Kenseth formerly of Joe Gibbs Racing and uh, Roush Fenway Racing to fill in uh, for the remainder of the 2020 season for the number 42 car teaming up with uh, one of his former teammates at Roush Fenway and also being granted a waiver by NASCAR to compete for the championship and compete in the playoffs is if he is, in fact, able to gain enough points and win a race. At this point, having been so many races into the season, the only way he would probably get into the playoffs is if he wins a race. As we saw with Kyle Busch a few years ago, he will probably be able to meet, I believe it's the top 30 or the top 25 in point criteria uh, that also needs to be met in order to be able to gain a playoff spot. So that kind of raised a couple of eyebrows, but Ganassi had uh, gone on the record as as saying that um, he wanted somebody that was kind of a safe bet, and especially in the eyes of uh, the sponsors that fund the 42 teams effort. And it's important to note you know, a couple of uh, additional things that are kind of in the background of all this with the way that the economy is going right now um, in response to everything on COVID-19 and the stay-at-home orders and businesses that can't operate and um, the number of people that do not have jobs. uh, As of last count, the number of first-time unemployment applications now uh, has Ballooned to thirty million over the last five or six weeks, I believe it is. Yeah, I think it has. So you know, we're we're you know in the midst of a a very severe economic crisis, Um, and the last time we had something like this was back in the late two thousands during the Great Recession, two thousand eight and two thousand nine. It's worth noting that uh, Chip Ganassi was around at that point in time, and he had to shutter. The team, uh, uh, the, it was the, the 40 team that was being driven by his uh, longtime IndyCar driver, Dario Franchitti. Uh, sponsorship uh, was becoming an issue at that point in time, and they had to close the team. Um, so um, Ganassi has been around long enough to see the good, bad, and ugly of, um, of the racing industry, especially as it pertains to the economy. And there's going to be probably a lot of sponsor concerns going forward, and possibly even some manufacturing concerns as well. Uh, I referenced a, um, an article written in the New York Times by Susanna Hamner, who detailed the how the economic crisis was impacting not only sponsors but uh, manufacturers as well, like manufacturers having to cut back their support to NASCAR at the time. Um, so. Teams and drivers are going to have to do all they can to keep their sponsors integrated into the sport, integrated into motorsport, and continuing to fund, uh, fund their, their race teams as much as possible. So Ganassi went ahead and made the call that uh, Matt Kenseth was the person um, that he believed was best equipped um, to, um, to fit the bill. I'm going to quote from uh, an auto week article written by Matt Weaver on April 27th that stated, uh, "This is Ganassi saying, throughout my time in NASCAR, I have always the way Matt Kenseth raced. He has proven to be a consistent winner, strong competitor, and respectful driver. And I'm glad we're able to add another NASCAR champion to the team for the remainder of this season." Close quote. And that's also true as well. He has two past champions. On his driver roster now, so um, and with Kenseth getting the waiver uh, to compete in the playoffs, if he should uh, be able to meet the criteria, Ganassi has has come out of this in a relatively good place. Um, he was given a, a a big batch of lemons and has been able to make some lemonade out of it. Um, and then there is still Ross Chastain, ostensibly waiting in the wings. In 2021 and beyond so for all intents and purposes it seems like ganassi is in a relatively stable place um so there is that the next is the schedule update and or or the, the um a new schedule that's come out where uh nascar will actually be able to go back to the track um and uh be racing again but with that, there's some questions about other tracks and whether or not we will see them this year. One of those being uh, Sonoma. There was an article where they were asking about um, will they run, will they run without fans or or will they try and run with fans? Um, and I'm writing an article written on April 19th in Jayski. ski um, and their president, Steve Page, said that Of the three scenarios, Uh, one running with a full crowd, he said, I think the train has left the station. The other one running the the race with no spectators, he said that hasn't left the station, but the horn is blowing and the wheels are starting to turn. And option number three, the most likely scenario, is that we will run at a date in the future, whether fans are here or not. It is too early to speculate. So there's that as well. And then uh, do all of these events present an opportunity for local tracks that may not necessarily be in a condition to host fans right now, like, like uh, uh, a Rockingham, for example. So there's a question there as well. So, and that kind of brings us around to the subject of getting ready. Many of the teams uh, that compete in NASCAR are based in North Carolina Um, The state of North Carolina has a stay-at-home order in place statewide through the 8th of May, uh, through next weekend, uh, or through next Friday, I believe. Um, However, the Governor Governor Roy Cooper has been uh, in talks with NASCAR, has been in talks with uh, racing officials, and has confirmed that uh, race shop employees can be considered essential workers now. And Uh, All of the counties in and around the Charlotte area are starting to um, or have or or will be conforming their their stay-at-home orders, I believe, either to be in line with the state or something along those lines. Either way, such that teams can bring employees to the race shop, provided that they observe social distancing and things of that nature, um, to prepare race cars to go back racing again. Um, So that's, um, that's some very big news as well. So uh, with that, I will go ahead and open it up for discussion. So uh, Ryan, Dave, uh, any questions y'all have? I mean, definitely Ellie.
1: I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting that they're definitely looking back into racing and something I was listening to, I was listening to WGR 550 out Buffalo yesterday morning to Howard and Jer- Howard Simon and Jeremy White and Jeremy White actually put it this way he he was looking at something and, and they're they're sports anchors in Buffalo and I don't know if it's if it's true or not I haven't heard anything about it but there's possibility that if they go like they're going to do Darlington so it's like a Monday, and then I think it's to they there Tuesday, and then another Darlington race, and I believe that's a Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday starting the 17th. You know, they're not going to do practice and qualifying, but I had heard, and I don't know if it's true, that whoever goes to the track, they
2: won't be able to go back to the race shops. That is true. Uh, there has been uh, some discussion that – Whoever goes out on the road um, to participate in the event, track side, um, they are going to um, try and ask that those particular personnel not interact with people um, who are working at the race shop itself. Now, there's, um, I believe, there's uh, some very strict criteria. By which um, only team personnel will be allowed um, at the track so there's some criteria to meet
1: so I mean so it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with that because isn't some of those people who work on the cars also are normally at the track
2: am I right That is a possibility. And especially for some of these smaller teams, I would think that they wear a lot of hats um, having roles both at the shop and track site as well. So it will be um, so it's, you know, very much up in the air how uh, these um, conditions or suggestions or rules. I'm not exactly sure which, which they are at the moment will impact these particular teams and and uh, those personnel they're in so, so it could very well be we may be seeing
1: less than 36 37 38 cars at a couple races it may it may be pick or choose a race but I I, I still just don't get it that I and I, I think it and I have to agree with Jeremy white with this he said it it this what NASCAR's doing could be very bullish and i i think it i, I have to agree with them i know they said we want to get a 36 race season and we want to get the playoffs but where do you draw that line where where do you draw it i am glad that they're definitely going back i'm definitely glad they're taking initiatives they got darlington back in may a spring race which NASCAR fans especially the older NASCAR fans would love you know love but where do where do you draw that line eventually to say we can go back but we can't have a full season like where do you go back where do you draw that line where do you think they do
2: that at this point, that's a great question, Dave. And there's, there's no clear answer to that right now. And I don't think there's going to be for some time. Um, it sounds like, you know, just at this point, they're putting a slate of races together through, um, you know, through the next, what, couple of weeks here, I think? Um, yeah, it,
1: it definitely. It's, it's through the next couple of weeks. It's like, to it, Charlotte... Two at Darlington, possibly Rockingham.
2: Um, Well, it's it's confirmed two for Darlington, one on Sunday the seventeenth, and another on Wednesday the twentieth. Okay. And uh, Sunday is a four hundred miler. The one on Wednesday is a five hundred kilometer event. Um, So if you think about, um, you know, five hundred kilometer events that they have at uh, at Phoenix um, is going to be essentially the same thing. Yeah. Um, And then. They have the Coke 600, the 600-miler Sunday, May 24th, uh, and then a 300-miler on Wednesday, the 27th as well. And As far as I'm aware, and I'm looking at uh, sporting news right now, article written by Todd Hayslop, those are the only events that have been scheduled to this point. So I think they're just taking on the fly right now and, and doing their level best with what's given to them I'm talking about you know NASCAR leadership and, and teams they're trying to get all all especially all 20 um, run during the regular season um, window of time mm-hmm. and then hopefully they can run the uh, the playoff events as as scheduled
1: yeah but, I mean there's going to be a lot in the air especially I Especially Watkins Glen, and and this just came out of um, New York State this week. Uh, Someone, uh, Andrew Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, was up in Syracuse, New York, and we have a big New York State Fair up here that attracts millions of people. And he said, "I don't, I I can't see us having the New York State Fair this year." It, it broke his heart that he doesn't think this is going to happen this year because we can't if we can't fully be reopened we don't need we we don't want to risk people traveling and that's talking about people from other states and everything so i mean i under i understand running without fans which is definitely good i mean i i definitely think you gotta try it first to see if it works um And see but You know Watkins Glen might be In jeopardy this year Michigan Might be in jeopardy New Hampshire Pocono um, These states That are working together To reopen at the same time uh, may, May Have an effect so NASCAR may be just strictly South who knows Maybe they look at a Hickory Speedway or Say you know what we're gonna get. We're gonna run. You know. We're gonna run heats and all this at. You know. A. You know. A, a racetrack without fans. A small little bullring track. You know. You. You. This may be the good time to rekindle with your roots with NASCAR,
2: as well. Oh, I definitely what? agree with that too. But um, consider um, about. Uh, the arrangement that NASCAR has made with the, um, uh, with the teams and especially with the, uh, with the charter system is if I'm not mistaken, charter teams or teams that own a charter are need to meet all of the, or need to um, uh, attempt all of the uh, events um, Mm -hmm. that have been scheduled. I could be wrong on that one, and if I am, please light me up on on, on <laughs> Facebook page. Uh, but uh, uh, I believe that to be the case. So, and that is another good point as well. All of these events, with one exception, are one day events. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come down, uh, take you know, or they they drive to the to the venue, take the covers off the cars, race, pack up, go home that's it the only race weekend thus far we're qualifying will be uh part of the charlotte the the 600 the 600 yeah which Um,
1: which is good for memorial day weekend because we don't have monaco we don't have the indy 500 so at least there will be some racing there
2: yep and hopefully i mean just from a from a broader standpoint um, NASCAR is very much going out on a limb compared to other uh, sporting series um, in trying to get, um, you know, trying to restart uh, their season in some form or fashion. Um, I just saw something the other night. I believe it was from CNBC where um, there was some talk that they may just cancel the the rest of the NBA season.
1: Yeah I, I heard that um, same with NHL there's NHL is exploring different possibilities and one has uh, playoffs like like uh, 24 teams getting in and rejoice Buffalo fans if this happens they make a playoffs but it'd be like uh, best of three playing games, and I definitely think you—you know—I think NASCAR is doing very well in in thinking of this and in trying to be proactive. And they definitely—they definitely are. I mean, I—I I think people do need some sort of sporting event eventually, and and I think that's really big. The the other point is i wanted to talk about ganassi and and one point with Kenzif, this is kensif's second go-around after retirement uh, if you remember he came in and helped out with roush for a little while for a few races uh, a few years ago after he retired and a lot of people thought roush would have signed him but he he decided to continue re- in in retirement so Kudos to Matt Kenseth getting in. And with Ganassi, um, it's, he, he really had to do something there. I mean, after what Larson did, I'm, I'm not surprised Ganassi made those moves. And he had to, especially when Chevy said, we don't want to work with Larson anymore. That That's very big. And when your manufacturer goes to tell you, um we don't we'll work with you but we will not won't work with large uh, you, you're one driver i from a business standpoint you gotta make something because you're you're just more to that close of not having money from a racing standpoint there sponsors you can gain you lose you gain sponsors change all the time but when it comes to a manufacturing, and you're in season definitely that had chip against his back against the wall and he was very quick to make those decisions. And I definitely applaud him for those.
2: Yeah, no question. Um, You know, what, uh, what Larson did, um, you know, whether or not, um, you know, you believe uh, he is, uh, whether or not you believe he is a racist or not, um, you know, me personally, you know, I try, will try really, really hard to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially in light of his apology um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, his at least early attempts or at least early offers to make amends. Um, But what he did was monumentally stupid. Um, And there is a price to pay for that. Um, And especially when you consider um, the reputation that NASCAR has with certain parts of pop culture. Um, and indeed, the roots of um, where NASCAR comes from and how they have treated um, NASCAR members of color in the past, uh, referencing um, Wendell Scott's career and Willie T. Ribs. Willie T. D. Ribs. Um, but I'm specifically thinking about uh, when Wendell Scott won a race mm-hmm. and they didn't want to give him the trophy, and they it was there was a, a controversy over that for uh, a couple of days before I believe they they finally said yeah you you, you won.
1: Well, um, yeah, he won. It, he What happened was he wouldn't leave the track. He stood in victory lane, and they finally came to him, said, "All right, you won. We'll give you the money. I want the trophy." He said, and they yeah. said, "No, this guy." The winner took it, and they that track actually. Um, there was a documentary in 2011 on Wendell Scott, and I think it was like e three. I think it was like thirty for thirty or e sixty. It was an ES, I think it was ESPN did it. It was really good, and that track actually finally brought his family that I think it was like the year before that and they had a ceremony for him finally for that and they made a trophy they gave it to the family because mm-hmm. they had heard that story and they didn't want I mean they they made amend they made amends for it and I think if Wendell Scott was still around uh, he would have been thrilled to have that and it's I mean I I mean I, I I agree. What Larson did was was, was stupid. It, it definitely was stupid, and it wasn't right. He's gotten his consequences from that, and I think Dale Junior said best on on the Dale Junior download was, we have to watch what we're saying, especially out there. He said something during that race to a driver on a another driver on a private channel. Complain to him, well That got out on Twitter So this e-racing You have to be careful with the channels It's not like At the racetrack where you're listening To your favorite driver uh, On the on the radio uh, On a radio scanner these are, these are Like on Twitch These channels are online That they're listening to during this event They're probably being recorded So you have to be careful,
2: and you just need to think twice before you do that. That is true, um, but um, I mean that particular word um, has no place um, anywhere, and Agreed. least of all um, at a a NASCAR event. Agreed. And they have worked uh, very hard to really distance themselves from uh, what their what their past was. Um, mm-hmm. And that has, um, you know, uh, there have been issues like this, um, during that time, uh, with, um, with drivers and with, with, uh, crewmen and there have the precedent has been set during that time mm-hmm. that there is no place and there is no tolerance for, um, such behavior and such utterances in the sport. And, um, it. It should be that way, and it should be that way going forward.
1: Um, I definitely agree with you, Elliot, on that 100%.
2: Yep. So um, so I think that's about all we have for NASCAR. So um, Dave, uh, why don't you uh, take us out the break, and then uh, what do we have coming up on the other side? Most certainly. When we come back from break, we're
1: going to talk about an update with IndyCar. This is the Checker to Green podcast
0: your feedback is what's most important to our show it's what drives us and what helps us come up with topics to discuss on every new episode if you have any feedback regarding our show please send us an email at ckrd2grn at gmail.com and feel free to continue the discussion on our Facebook page from Checker to Green Podcast, where we will discuss topics as discussed on our show, and we will engage with you in conversation and come up with more information for our show, as well as take requests regarding topics you would like to discuss and potentially guests that we will have on our show. And now, back to the Checker to Green Podcast with David Maudie and Elliot Tardif. <laughs>
2: thank you ryan so uh there is a lot going on in the world of open wheel cars as well indycar um, and dave you've been keeping up very closely on that so uh, why don't you tell us what's going on thank you elliot so
1: indycar has an, has a few updates they did release a schedule update Uh, Detroit Grand Prix was canceled, which was originally scheduled for Belle Isle from May 29th through May 31st. That was canceled due to COVID-19. And so Roger Penske started to rethink and some of the things he rethought of was what we would do with um, the, the schedule. So they decided to make some schedule updates and the first thing they wanted to do was they wanted to look back at a couple things so here's where so here's where we stand for the schedule after look bell Iowa was closed they wanted to redo some races here They decided we need to do a a few more races. So what they are going to do is Texas actually becomes the first race of the year on June 6th. And I actually have some news regarding that. It's going to be Texas, June 6th. There'll be a night race. Then they're going to go to Road America, Elkhart Lake, um, for Road America on June 21st. Then to Richmond on June 27th, July 4th is that doubleheader at Indy with the Xfinity Series for the GMR Grand Prix. Then July 12th is Toronto. And then the first change they decided to do was since they canceled Belle Isle and IndyCar has been enjoying these doubleheader races, they decided to do a doubleheader on the 17th and 18th at Iowa Speedway. Then mid-Ohio August 9th That was a change we discussed last time Because the Indy 500 is going to be August 23rd now Then at Gateway or Worldwide Technology Raceway The Bomberito Automotive Group 500 August 30th Then the Grand Prix of Portland September 13th A doubleheader on September 19th and 20th At the Monterey Grand Prix Race and then the biggest change back to IMS for the season finale. They're going to run with um, IMSA a that weekend. It's going to be the first ever IndyCar Harvest Grand Prix, and that's set for October third. So they um, Roger Pensky definitely taking some some charge here with with the scheduling. He did end up having to lay off a few employees eventually just because of covid nineteen and Pensky was on um the Dale junior download and uh Roger Pensky was on and Dale junior's doing his podcasts um virtual as well where they're all all talking and social distancing and you know is you know Penske definitely talked about you know how he came and got Indy which we're, we're gonna, we'll we'll dive into another show we'll talk about the sale of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Indy car to Roger Penske but he talked about COVID-19 and you know he still has his trucking business so they were essential but he talked about his priority one was the front family the team's safety and the number and the health overall was the priority he's been taking it day by day um just going through figuring things out you know he's you know he you know his trucking business is essential but the auto racing side he's you know he's trying to listen to the doctors he's trying to listen to the medical staff He's trying to listen to the governments regarding their timetables of when they're gonna reopen. You know, he wants to be able to preserve the season he mentioned, but we have to be smart, and that's something Roger Penske is. He's smart, and if anyone knows about the captain, he is a smart businessman, and he's he's really good at that, and he You know, he thanked the healthcare, the first responders, but, you know, he's really, he's really smart and he he definitely knows what he's doing. And it's a a much different approach than what NASCAR may be taking. He's, he's looking, he's deciding, he's determining, he's taking that that wanting to listen to the doctors listen to the government not do something that maybe not not the smartest move and risk people but with that said IndyCar is scheduled for July 6th in Texas and there's been a few articles coming out and on on April 29th Marshall Pruitt talked about IndyCar and the teams being limited and um, what they're going to do so they're playing to run Texas and just like NASCAR it's come in for a day get out get there like on the fifth be there the sixth go home but what they've learned is that they've got to limit the number of people with the IndyCar teams they're capping it at 20 and they talked with uh, Marshall Pruitt talked with um, looked at Andre Autosport which would have six entries for this event at taxes so that's bringing 120 people down and they got to refine their travel ro- rosters a lot you know in in concert with the rest of the IndyCar paddock but they talked to Rob Bedwards who's the chief operating officer for Andretti and and he said it it is challenging there was a time when 15 was the normal so 20 feels like a luxury compared to the days of old and then he went into the amount of people that you would have so you've got six crew members for the tires and the fuel the air jack the aero screen attendant IndyCar now has aero screen so you gotta have someone for that plus your driver your race engineer your performance engineer systems engineer spotter that's 12 couple of truck drivers you're at 14 he then goes on to say he thinks some of the efficiencies is with some of the extra support engineers so you could do remote engineering with this um, from the transport in in the paddock to get real-time data to the staff at the shop. They could look into that. But then he also went to say, you also have to look at um, a lot of drivers have personal assistants, family members, a spouse, so that can, you know, for the remaining few spots, that can consume most of the entry cap. So they've got to really pick and choose who's going to go to these races. So that that is something that's going to be interesting regarding that on how much they're going to have. And then Pruitt went on later that day, to also write another article about texas running and he just went to i guess some teams actually got funding they through that paycheck protection program you know there's some money but you know there is a need for more income there He, he mentioned um I, I guess he mentioned that the IndyCar iRacing events have viewers going down. So that's concerning. Um he was the, the I guess they float around doing a double header with NASCAR at Texas, but the issue is there the TV money, NASCAR has more, IndyCar has less. Um, I guess IndyCar, you know, the the loss in ticket revenue. TMS. I guess IndyCar has these sanction fees they have to pay, so that's a loss. So, IndyCar might waive that. The, I mean, Pruitt just went into all the all the different avenues. They're gonna have to check people come in for a day, stay. Literally, you're probably staying in the hauler, and then you're there, and then you're you're going. They're only having twenty four cars, so they could spread out, but it, it, it's really tough. And then Robin Miller on Racer dot com went a couple days before and talked about IndyCar starting their season and and some of the the revenue issues that they were having. Um, he said TV money. The Brickyard 400 gets 15 million along with 5 million from the Xfinity show in TV might. That's to be believed. Where IndyCar gets much, much less money in TV revenue. But he's he's just he talks to Roger Pensky and he's just not sure like Road America, can you run it, run it in their current slot? Um, and he mentioned IndyCar could waive the sanction fee for Texas to make it less damaging financially. And IndyCar does struggle with money, especially in the the payouts uh, that are much much less. I mean, the Indy 500. I mean, this year it would be a fifteen million dollar purse up from two million from last year, but. Daytona five—I mean, that's way less to what the Daytona 500 was. That purse was over, was around 23 million, I believe it was. So, they—they've got a, a lot to figure out on um, what has to happen. Originally, they—they they had events being bumped up because of the Olympics, but now they can schedule that since the Olympics aren't having happening. But there's just I mean they've got other groups that that run the organization and then I looked at Miller's mailbag and wanted to see what what Robin Miller had say a little bit more about that and people asked and and Robin Miller said this he says IndyCar promoters rely on paying customer sponsors suites camping and a title sponsor to make it work because there is no TV money except for the Indy 500. Someone was asking about the money because I guess NASCAR promoters get 65% of of the money that's made uh, someone had brought up uh, to him. And... Penske promotes IMS the rest of the series, but Green Savary has four of the races. So he's not, I mean, he's not sure. I mean, money-wise revenue, I think IndyCar is going to be in a little more tougher position from a business standpoint. Just looking at this, looking at their season, they, they, they have a plan in place. It, it, credit Penske does. You know, he has a really good plan in place here. But what's, what's going to happen? Like, I mean, if if they're not making TV revenue, there's no TV money there with the contracts. How are these teams going to get paid? I mean, is Penske going to have to dip into his bank account to pay? I mean there's there's gonna be a lot of good questions, but I, I really think Roger Penske in the end will will be good at getting through this. He's just I I think questions gonna be mine, so I will be very, very surprised to see them start at Texas, but I also wouldn't be surprised. If he, he, if that's the next hurdle he has to be, he has to figure out, he says we have to be smart and that's something he wants to do is be smart. So that's the next thing he's got to figure out is how's he going to pay for this money? Where's he going to cut the losses for this year? And I mean, it's pretty much going on with that. The other interesting question I saw is someone brought up to asking him, would he run midweek races like at Richmond? And Penske wasn't um, he 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 doesn't think so. So Robin, he he wasn't sure, but he's he sent the idea along to Penske and IndyCar because of a mailbag or in his mailbag the people write in if it's really good he'll forward it on to Roger Penske and IndyCar and he asked him about that and Miller um, you know someone asked about midweek races and Robert Miller said this. I think if you know anything about Mr. Penske, you realize he's always thinking down the road and outside the box. So I would assume a televised midweek race is a distant possibility. If a promoter wants to take a chance, NBC has to play in that decision as well. So I think it's going to be very interesting. to See what happens. And
2: Ryan Elliot, you guys' thoughts? Well, um, I agree with you. There's, you know, definitely some uh, some financial concerns there. But um, you know, if what um, you know, Mr. Pensky has has offered, in terms of, um, you know, has a, if what his financial plans for for IndyCar um, are born through things like his um, uh, his purse announcement for the Indy 500, um, he had noted that um, you know it had been in the in the news, uh, the, the AP in February that he was going to purse for the Indy 500 by two million, um, mm-hmm. for um, uh, to a total of at least fifteen million. Um, so he's doing things in that way to at least try and, and inject some more money into the series. Um, but, um, you know, how much, um, you know, to your point, Dave, does he have to put anything out of pocket in to try and, um, help the teams along? Um, now, if I remember right, when, uh, we were talking before, I think he had encouraged teams to seek out loans under the PPP. Um, yeah, I believe he did.
1: Okay. And and some teams have been successful with that. Um I mean they I mean I, I it, he said a few teams were for fortunate. That's what Pruitt Marshall Pruitt mentioned in his article. I'm just pulling up now to see if he named any. Um so that but that was on March thirty first. So oh, who knows? who got it. Um, but they said some teams, I mean at the time they were saying some teams were had company wide pay cuts of 20% or more to keep going.
2: Right. And I think Penske himself said, I am foregoing my salary. Yes. For however long a period of time. But he said, I am, I'm not sure if uh, other senior leadership within his company were doing the same as well, but, um, I think he had said they had, you know, we're gonna to have to furlough some people or what have you. But um, he was doing his level best, um, you know, from him and as the, um, you know, the, the leader of the company, to, you know, try and and put back in and keep the company itself moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely.
1: I mean, I'm I'm reading the article and. I mean, IndyCar. I mean, they've done really well to keep the costs down. Well, I mean, through partnerships with Delara, or yeah, through Delara. I mean, all the shops are in Indianapolis. A lot of the team shops are usually around the Indianapolis area. Delara's in Indiana. Is in Indianapolis, so they they have to. Look at, I mean, the shops, these teams, but IndyCar, that's been a big issue for years has been the money. Ever since the split with Cart and then Cart Folding and everyone coming back to be one, Open Wheel series. That's been uh, the biggest thing right now. It has been money. It's been for years. They've they've had to figure out ways to cut costs. The D, the DW12, the Dan Weldon 12 t- chassis. That that was they um that was to cut costs. I remember they offered teams lower costs so they could get engines, so they could have cars. But I mean, if you look at them, you can compare them to like a small-time NASCAR team, and that's the thing with IndyCar, and um, I mean, the cost for open wheel just has gone up more and more, and it's I. I mean, they got to get – I mean, that's something Robin Miller has said quite a bit is they got to get more money. And if you want more cars, you got to increase the purse. You got to get these teams paid more. So them taking these loans, figuring out what they can do, furloughing their employees, cutting um, down employees to get the money – It's, I mean, people foregoing their salaries to save money. It's, I I think you're going to see a point where it's going to be make it or break it. um, For a lot of these teams. So with IndyCar, I, I, I mean, they got a great leader. They they definitely have a great leader who's gonna get them through this in it Penske. It's just I you know, you wonder some of these teams that, that come up um, come up into it and some of these newer teams that were were slated to run this year. I mean, mm-hmm. look at McLaren and, and Sam Schmidt. Well, if McLaren has issues in Formula One and, and goes belly up in Formula One, do they go belly up in IndyCar and does that take Sam Schmidt out?
2: What what happens? That is a good question. And um if that were to happen, does Roger Penske step in and try and keep uh the Schmidt team afloat or you know work with them to find uh um, another backer, you know, co-owner, sponsor, whatever the case. Um, kind of,
1: kind of like what? Um, and, and Ryan, I, I, think you and I are familiar with this. When the Buffalo Sabers, when their owner got arrested for um, for fraud, um, Regis, um, he that the NHL came in and said we're gonna own the team for now until we can find a backer for it so it's i i mean it, it it's really interesting to see what's what's gonna happen and and that is i mean does penske do that i mean you see it actually you see it with andretti more i i mean look at I mean, Andre fields six teams, but look who he's partnered with. He's partnered with Curb. He's partnered with um, other teams. I think he partnered with Steinbrenner last year, um, and and got you know did backing there. So does Andre step in? Does Ganassi step in? Ganassi used to do that too in IndyCar. Have have an offshoot uh, with partnerships with teams so i i think you got a lot I, I think you got three people there who could step in it's will they be able to any other thoughts elliot
2: i know that uh, i was looking at um, in uh, indianapolis star article um on Penske in april 28th um penske has the support of all the um or at least many of the, the big owners, um, if not all of them, um, you know, uh, and you know his approach to how he's he's going, um, he's trying to shepherd the the series through these these tough times, um, is you know very appreciated and having uh, smart people around him uh, like Mark Miles, like Jay Fry, mm-hmm. um, and um, he has one more in here, uh, Mr. Bowles as well. Yeah, Doug Bowles. Doug Bowles, thank you. Doug, um, and as a to kind of expand on what we were talking about before, uh, Penske, the Penske president Rob Kernick, uh would forego their salaries during the crisis, and the, the board of directors uh, will waive their cash compensation for a period of six months. And again, this is according to the uh, the Indianapolis Star and um, in the article written by Nathan Brown, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, uh, Bobby Rahal himself said thank god we got Roger um, yeah you know, So,
1: yeah um, Ra- Roger's really big and like I said that's for an uh, episode down the road that we will we'll get into Penske owning IndyCar IMS and with that said Elliot I think it's time for a break why don't you tell us what's coming up
2: yes sir um, so just around the bend we're going to be discussing um some other series we've got formula one spring car world of outlaws um we'll talk about what the the latest is with them and um then uh, shortly after that we're going to be uh we're going to be trying uh as as is certain aspects of the uh, uh the racing enterprise to go green so all that is just on the other side of, of this break this is from Checker to green
0: the From Checker to Green podcast will be right back. Samurai Graphics is your one stop to give you all your business needs, the upgrade and the look to make yourself unique among your competitors. Aaron Saylor will design logos for you, your business cards, letterheads, and anything else that you need to really establish your business, both existing and up and coming. For information regarding his services and anything else you need requiring your business designs, contact him at samurai graphics716 at gmail.com. Right, samurai graphics, your business design solution. And now, back to From Checkered to Green Podcast with David Motti and Elliot Tardiff. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Ryan, and welcome back to the Checker to Green podcast with David Moy and Elliot Tardiff. We're going to get into the next part of our spotlight segment, and that is going to be talking about Formula One and the world of outlaws. So Elliot, did you want to start with talking about Formula One a little bit?
2: Yes, sir. Uh so, uh in a holding pattern. Um they, um, uh, I believe since the last time we were on, um, uh, their initial plan was to try and start the season in Canada. Uh, that has since gone by the wayside. The uh, Canadian Grand Prix has been um, uh, has been either postponed or canceled. Um, and now there's, um, you know, starting to be some concerns about, um, well, how are the race teams doing? How are the F1 teams doing? Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the budgets for these teams, uh, you know, they're very big. There's a lot of technology, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, um, you know, future cars and future designs and things of that nature. Um, so uh, there's, um, uh, um, there's an article here uh, from The Guardian uh, written April 18th. Um, by Giles Richards, um, who talks with uh, Christian Horner, who was the principal at Red Bull. Um, And uh, in the article, uh, Horner is is, uh, quoted as stating that uh, he believes that Formula One's owner's uh, liberty um, to prevent any team from going under uh, uh, during these tough times to ensure the overall survival of, of F1. Uh, so the um uh race fees are a, a key source of income uh and so there there are some concerns that uh smaller teams uh just like in NASCAR and another series um may not have what it needs to survive this uh again this is all according to uh, uh this article from the guardian um, so where we are uh, right now
1: um, they just came out, they made a statement on April twenty-seventh about Formula One. Uh Chase Carey provided an update to the fans and he said in this he um this was this was after the French Grand Prix said in late June, we're not going ahead. We're 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 gonna cancel it. So the French Grand Prix is canceled and and on our last podcast we talked about Monaco being canceled. The French Grand Prix is now canceled, and Britain is planning to run. Um, is Is planning to run the the British Grand Prix, at, without fans. Uh, one of the one of the things they they talked about is if they start losing a bunch of races, that maybe the British Grand Prix. I, I saw somewhere. I briefly saw it a suggestion came out was saying and I don't know if it was Hamilton or someone else that suggested it but hey let's do a double header in Britain we go one way the one race we'll we'll go the norm we'll do the normal race course and then we'll do it backwards the other race um, which would be very interesting uh, with, with Formula One but They decide, um, Carrie said they they're targeting to start racing in Europe in July. So what they're planning to do is a kind of a a cluster country cluster for two months. So being in a region for two months, go to another region for two months, go to another one. And then finish up. And what they're thinking is July, August, um, be in Europe. Then in September, um, go to the Asia, or in September, October, do Eurasia and Asia. And then in October, continue with parts of Asia and the Americas. And then December, go to the Gulf. So what they're planning is start Austria on July 5th. Have that race weekend, the 3rd through the 5th. And then be in um, Abu Dhabi um, do in December, do Bahrain. And then Abu Dhabi. Um, in December And complete 15 to 18 Races and, and that's the plan And that's something they've been moving forward With that And Carry, you know he addressed The fans he addressed He, he made the statement on the 29th uh, Or on the 27th of April And he's, He expects The early races to be without Fans but hopes that fans will be in part of our events as we move further into the schedule we'll still have to work out many issues like the procedures for teams and our partners to honor and operate in each country focusing on health and safety so they are still planning on having a season they're like indycar they didn't start their season but um It was the article just came out by Chris Medlin about an hour ago, Elliot. And this is Zach Brown from McLaren Racing talking about big teams risk putting F1 out of business. And yes. And Brown says in the article that Chris Medlin wrote on racer.com, he believes the reluctance of big teams to agree as significant changes in Formula One threatens the overall future of the sport. He says teams are trying to reach an agreement over a lower budget cap than the initial 175 million that was ran into the regulations to be introduced in 2021. Last year was a it was a figure of 145 million, which was approved. So many smaller teams want to drive that number even lower. So you're talking about the smaller teams trying to survive during this. Well, if they can't afford it, and these big teams like mercedes ferrari um Red Bull want to you know want want a season, <laughs> I think you're gonna have to make a you're gonna have to compromise but yeah um but brown is he said he um he i guess ferrari team principal uh mattia ben Benodo, um, pushback says his team would have to reallocate staff and has even suggested a two tier budget caps. Brown's unhappy with the overall health, according to the article Chris Menlin wrote of the um, but he says but Brown is unhappy with the overall health of the sport and is not being prioritized. So you've got these big teams pushing back, but these small teams saying, hey, we need money too. We can't afford things. Well, I, I don't know. But if Ferrari's gonna, I mean, if these big teams are pushing back, I mean, the again, there's the question of do team, you know, does Liberty step in? You know, the, I mean, that's what Ecclestone used to do to keep the sport going—was step in and help. But. I mean, I'm just looking through this article and, and it, it, it's quoted in here, and I think this is, and this is from Brown saying, what, "What's frustrating me is we have the ability to not only survive in these times, but ultimately come out and thrive." The sport has been out of balance really forever, and things don't go on forever if we have a weird, too big to fail mentality. And he also then says in the article, "I think there are a couple teams that can afford this crisis more than others, but I think they run a real risk of, at the extreme, putting this sport out of business." So. I think we're going to have to see what happens with Formula One. So, Fuzz or Ryan, what do you think about with Formula One
0: going on? Like, I feel there's that disconnect between the bigger and the smaller teams, I think is going to really cause some trouble down the long run. Like, especially with the arguments centered around finances, you can understand the smaller teams saying, hey, you know what, we don't have the names and the legacy like these big teams. But we have the vehicles and the people who are ready and willing to compete with them. You know, we just need that little bit of support from the organization.
1: I I definitely agree. I mean, I mean, it's like what we were talking about earlier. These small teams. I mean, I mean, I I think you have to. For I, I think a lot of people forget that you know these small teams what help make up the sport. I mean, you go to local racetracks, and they're small teams. They're shoestring racers. A lot of these people, and uh, we just—I, you know—I I definitely want, you know, I—I—I I, I definitely, you know, wonder what will what will come out of that, and if Formula One's really worried about. Going going down with that, you know, and, and having trouble. Then we've, um, you know, I mean, Formula One's always been around, and and that's that's a big sport. But they they canceled Monaco, they canceled the Grand Prix of France. I mean, Monaco was big one we were talking about it in our last episode. I mean the the millions of dollars that they brought in. Um so we so we have to you know think what what's gonna happen w- with this and you know with w- with Formula One, I mean the money's always been an issue at times from a business standpoint. Teams haven't survived I mean I read I mean if you I have I've read a book by Jackie Stewart uh, Sir Jackie Stewart The one time, the one day And they had About A diary of his 1970 Season He of talk, he talked About the money and like How big Dunlop You know maybe Didn't give them money for tires Well they didn't have money. They, you know, that that hurt them. That hurt them being competitive. So you you have to figure out, you know, wh- where you're going to get money. But small teams do drive the sport in, in entirety. And you know, th- this is interesting. If um, if Formula One does, you know, go down because of the big teams. You know, I I wonder what Bernie Ecclestone thinks right now about that because he's the one who sold it, and he was doing well. I mean, a lot of people didn't like what Ecclestone did with Formula One, but hey, at at least they had racing.
0: Yeah, they not only had racing, but it was also quite profitable and accessible. You got to give them that. It was pretty much anyone who had the ability to show up and compete they could come in and do so. What's your thought if these small teams go out with
1: Formula One? I mean, you know, and, and Formula One goes down. What, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Um, I think Formula One needs to take a page out uh, or it needs to read a recent history book on what happened with CART in mm-hmm. the late, late 90s and the early 2000s because you had... Uh, a lot of small teams over, you know, you had teams over there um, that, you know, they continued their their runaway costs and things. If I'm not mistaken, after the split in the mid 90s, and it was, you know, a few big teams, a few uninterest, you know, or, or a whole bunch of relatively uninteresting races, and we saw how that ended up for them. So, um, and. You know, I, I was um, attempting to uh, pull up some other articles on the subject um, while you were talking, Dave, and, you know, there's there's some real disagreement, and I'll, I'll go back to this uh, this Guardian article again for a second, um, because that was a subject that um, this uh, Christian Horner was talking about, um, that, uh, you know, that he believes that their ongoing attempt to Uh, Set a lower budget cap uh, is a misdirection for the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And he thinks that some teams are are using the budget cap debate to kind of push their own agendas. Um, And he says, quote, teams are competitive beasts. Of course, they're looking to use an angle. The cap is a discussion about competitiveness, not about money. It is about trying to bring the top teams down to a level where the midfield teams feel they can compete. The reality what? is that whatever the level of spend there always will be teams that run on the front and teams that run at the back, close quote. Um, so, but I think fundamentally these teams got to figure out um, what is going to work for the entire series. Because mm-hmm. if they if they can't, um, you know, have a – and. Granted, it's going to be a huge impact for some teams. Uh, the Guardian article states that F1's big three teams—Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari—spend more than four hundred million dollars annually. And if you're talking about a cap of, you know, in this case they've got a cap right now of 175 million in 2021, you know, that's that's a huge haircut for those three teams, um, and it's for them and you know for some of their employees that's not going to end well but um you know at what point if there's this much of a schism um you know and there's as apparently significant of a <clears throat> of a risk to the financial well-being of some of these these uh, smaller teams especially with everything going on with uh you know with covid and uh you know them not having raced yet this year um you know at what point does, do there, is there not an agreement, um, you know, or at what point do you have to say, okay, let's, let's do this. So at least there's still a series to be had. Um, and, you know, there again, I think have a look at, at what happened to, uh, to CART and to, um, you know, what ended up becoming the IRL And all of that and um you know here and even to an extent you know what may even be race teams in nascar you know you know the teams have their angle nascar has their own angle the tracks have their angle um you know and and you know kind of thinking about the future and this is all before the all the corona stuff hit um you know how you know each of them are kind of jockeying to you know get um a what they believe to be an adequate piece of the pie um you know which has been you know progressively shrinking and shrinking in recent years i I'm, i'll confess i'm not entirely sure what the numbers are with with f1 and and you know how their revenues are looking and and race fees and stuff um you know through the the 2010s you know to today but um but yeah uh you know this is uh you know it's not a, a setting the series up it's not setting f1 up mm-hmm. for a good um for a good future if they can't come to an agreement on this
1: most, most certainly yeah. so but yeah it'll definitely be interesting w- w- with f1 and um
2: yep and dave you were talking before um my uh uh my internet cut out about you know running different spheres or whatever to that end um, there's an article on formula1.com it was written may 1st and mm-hmm. they were talking about um, trying to start their season the weekend of july 3rd to the 5th in austria
1: yes yes yes, yes and, with austria for sure
2: yep yeah. um, and so you know obviously like nascar there's some challenges about getting people tested and cleared to enter the racetrack um you know and if i remember right um and forgive me i don't have a a source to cite for this but i have heard that is something that is a requirement for Mm -hmm. anybody that's going to be entering um the the racetrack um when nascar starts their season they have to be tested
1: most most certainly they definitely have to be tested and and that's something i'm gonna bring up briefly about um one of the other series that's doing it is that the World of Outlaws is looking to get back to racing. And it looks like they're going to run Knoxville May 8th. Um, I'm looking oh, this at is their the Knoxville Nationals. No, no, no. This oh. is another event. Gotcha. Um, okay. They they have a schedule, but they put out a April 24th return to racing. Which highlights ten steps, but I know I, I believe it's Knoxville. Yes, Knoxville Raceway May 8th. It's not a um it's it's gonna be without fans and so I think limited fans. I just heard about I just saw this. Um this is supposed to go this is their return to racing so the world of outlaws in um are going its participants early you can watch it live on dirt vision but what what the world of outlaws have done is they've implemented a their website they have a covid19 resource center so what they're doing is they're implementing a um is a 10-step plan to get back to racing and it's review, educate, determine, edit um the documentation, the template. So review what will rural outlaws decar racing do and research with guidelines, local, state, county, determine what actions have to be taken, edit that template that they give. Send in, engage, meet with your local county or state authorities who are overseeing the COVID 19 response. Follow, plan, follow local guidelines, develop a plan, communicate. you know for fans, uh, state local, let people know the participants, execute the plan, follow, po- reset, look at post race and then revisit and they've got forms, but it would be if you have participants, um, you're spreading out, you have to be confined to your hauler, wear your masks, take your temperatures. If you don't feel well, you're go, you know, don't go get in, get out. Can't go to grandstands. You have to stay in the hauler or right there limit if you've got people coming with you they can't come in as separate time everyone has to be there at the same time spectators it's a credit card one concession stand some of these things i was looking out you can't bring blankets you have to wear masks um only certain rows would be open and you have to spread out so there's many different things um That the world of outlaws are doing and this first race will be without spectators it looks like at knoxville but they they have a website up there on the world of outlaws that gives you everything so it it really um it's really going to give the question on i mean world of outlaws they could probably run they don't get many cars. Um, you know, at most I've seen car counts except for Eldora, Knoxville, Williams Grove. When you get the, um, when you get the Posse down there, the Pennsylvania Posse running, you tend to get higher counts like a hundred plus cars. Um, you know, most events you're maybe getting thirty to forty cars showing up, maybe a little bit more. So, they they could definitely spread out um, at, at small the some of the smaller events and say, you know, we'll just run without fans and just have essential tracks. Day off, be there, but it's. I mean, it, it's definitely a plan they're putting into place. But again, um. Money is going to be an issue, so and i, I know that's something we we will we'll definitely eventually come to is you know maybe eventually discuss about the local tracks in in a future episode from this, but you've got a lot of a lot of things to to come on with this, so you know with the world of outlaws, but they are putting plans into place and it looks like May 8th, they're running a race at Knoxville, and I can tell you just a couple other things. It's Knoxville for the Outlaws. The late models have a race at Boone Speedway on May 15th. May 23rd, it's Charlotte, and then May 29th, it's Jacksonville, so outlaws and late mile or sprint late miles for the outlaws are getting back into action but with that said I, I know we would like to talk a little bit more about the outlaws or that um, Elliot do you want to give one final thought on f1 and sprint into uh, before we go into
2: break well um, so I do have one question about the um... About the world of outlaws and and um, uh, Dave Ryan, I could use your your help on this one. Do they have spotters? Uh, no,
1: outlaws do not have spotters. They're usually, as far as I know, they're usually a one channel. I mean, you have officials, um, but it's usually a one channel frequency that you listen to the track and and um, and the officials. Okay. Um, I've listened at Fulton. I listened to the World of Outlaw officials when they came to Fulton a few years ago, um, up here in Fulton, New York, Fulton Speedway. Um, it's, it's officials they listen to, so they don't have spotters, so that's a good thing. Um, it's just that you're not going to be able to huddle like your team members used to do in the grandstands
2: right um well i mean that's you know there again uh that's you know really good news that they're um they're trying to get going again as well um and they're going to be i think you said so all those events that that you just uh listed dave those are going to be without fans Is that correct
1: um as far as i know i haven't heard anything yet i just saw that i just saw that So. um yeah, watch live. Let's see. Um, Boone Iowa. It doesn't. It doesn't say. So it, it looks like the two in Iowa will be without fans. Um, but they have tickets for the one in Charlotte. Um, on Saturday, May twenty third. So that may have fans. We don't know. Um, we will. We'll have to see. It looks like the late miles may not have tickets up yet, but some of the events have possibly. It some of the events have tickets available. Some don't. So I think they're going to have to play it by year.
2: Okay. Um. Well, we'll uh, just like NASCAR, we'll see what happens then. Um, you know, um, all of these events. Uh, you know, go off without a hitch and everything's uh, successful. And, uh, you know, as for uh, F1, you know, hopefully they do as well. And, and, uh, you know, early July, you know, in fact, when they can get going again. Um, Mm -hmm. One other note on F1 too, by the way, is that um, they had been in talks with, uh, this was uh, on Auto Week in an article written by Global Motorsport Media April 29th Mm -hmm. that They were in discussions with Hockenheim, who had initially not been a part of the 2020 schedule for F1. Yeah. Um, But they are now in conversations with, um, uh, or Hockenheim is in conversations with F1 about uh, maybe potentially running a a race there uh, if uh, everything can be worked out. Um, You know, and I think that goes back to uh, the conversation, much like what. NASCAR is trying to do with running some races relatively close to home for them mm-hmm. and for their teams is what Formula One is doing for them and for their teams as well. Yeah.
1: I mean, we'll definitely have to see what happens um, with it. I mean, I'm sure when we do our next episode, we'll definitely have some more info coming out. So, but we, we definitely would love to continue talking about Formula One and sprint. And if you want to, give us any, you know, some feedback on we to talk about or share your ideas, you know, uh, that we have a Facebook group. You can ask to join it. We'll be more than happy to welcome you on, you know, to it. We want to definitely look to expand or send us an email or, you know, find a, you know, you know, find a group on Facebook, let us know, and, you know, give us some feedback. I mean, ask to join the group. We'll let you in. And, you know, we'd love to hear all your feedback. But with that said, we got to take a break. So we're going to turn it over to our producer, Ryan Kolpak.
0: The From Checker to Green podcast we will be right back. If you're enjoying the podcast, look up for our further episodes on podcast.com, iTunes, and as previously stated, give us feedback on our Facebook page from Checker to Green Podcast or shoot us an email at CKRD2GRN at gmail.com. Your feedback is important to us. It drives the show, and we're curious as to what you like, what you'd like us to improve, and other topics you'd like us to discuss. And now, back to From Checker to Green podcast with Elliot Tardiff and David Motti.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Ryan. And uh, with that, the green flag is out. It's the, uh, the final segment of, of the episode, um, the green segment. And we've, uh, we've talked about, um, the, uh, the updated schedules and, um, the, uh, what we hope to be events that are coming right around the corner, uh, not only with NASCAR, but with, um, uh, with IndyCar, with formula one, uh, world of outlaws. Um, so the, uh, the, the overriding theme out of, um, uh, out of this and looking forward is that hopefully there is some, uh, there, there will be some positive developments um, with continuing to um, uh, see a reduction in the number of coronavirus cases um, and um, uh, improvements in treatments maybe even a vaccine sometime in the coming months um, to where, um, you know, we can not only be able to have racing events um, but events where uh, fans can attend as well. Um, I know from a, um, from a business standpoint, having fans track side is a, you know, a big deal, especially for uh, for racetrack revenue itself. Um, But uh, one thing that, You know, we haven't touched on this episode. I know we did last was um, you know, how important uh TV money may be a part of uh keeping all of these these series solvent uh for at least the the short and medium term, uh, you know, as we get well into 2020 and maybe even the entire 2020 season itself. But uh May 17th for NASCAR, um July third to the fifth for Formula One. Um I believe it was uh, June 6 for IndyCar. June 6 for IndyCar. Thank you. Um, and what was it for uh, World of Outlaws? Dave? Uh,
1: May 8th, Knoxville. May 8th. Oh, the the famous
2: black dirt Knoxville Raceway in Iowa. Very good. And for uh, for those of us, uh, and this is kind of touching on uh, something a little NASCAR centric for a second, um, but. There have been, um, you know, a fair number of people that have, uh, you know, kind of bemoaned, um, the, uh, um, the role that Nat, that, uh, Darlington has taken, um, in the sport, uh, especially, you know, after the, uh, the turn of the century here, um, at one point, the Southern 500, not even being on Labor Day weekend, uh, you know, which was essentially, um, uh in in nascar circles considered a sacrilege um at least to me Mm -hmm. Um, same here yep so thankfully that wrong has been righted but um if i'm not mistaken darlington has had only one event on uh the the nascar calendar to this point which was the southern 500 yeah Um, it it
1: was and before that it was in may it was mother to stay weekend and now that they moved it back, I mean, to see two races at Darlington, and I, I i believe this is a point you're probably getting at too is you know, we have two races at Darlington, which is really big.
2: Yep. Plus the 500. Yes. Yes. Plus the Southern 500. They said that that is uh, still a part of the schedule. So, um, so for, for those of us that, you know, would like to see, um, you know, some of the uh, uh, the more venerable racetracks kind of have a, um, an increased appearance in the, the series and on the calendar, um, you know, granted, you know, this isn't the circumstance that, you know, we would have liked to have seen this happen under by any means. Um, but, um, you know, there again, uh, we talked about, you know, making lemonade out of lemons before. And, um, so to, uh, you know, if this is one of the developments that, that comes out of this is that we see, uh, more events running at, uh, at, at Darlington, um, and who knows how many other, uh, venues around the, the Southeast here, um, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, has the potential to be, um, a, uh, a positive story, uh, to have come out of all this. Uh, one other positive story I wanted to touch on too, by the way, um, is, uh, the roles that some of the, uh, speedways are, are taking in helping, um, uh, some other aspects of, um, uh, um, uh, helping with some other big uh, social events is, Spec- go ahead uh, is this about um
1: because i just saw this
2: are you gonna bring up daytona and what they're doing with those seniors daytona and texas um so the the one that i had seen was um i i seen the headline about daytona and you can elaborate on them in a second but okay um, texas motor speedway has reached out to all of the high school's um, in the surrounding area, I believe Denton County, which is where Texas Motor Speedway is located, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to um, uh, host high school graduation ceremonies um, for each of those schools, um, where you know they can bring in the students. Um, I think either on the infield or something like that. Um, you know, somewhere plenty of space. You know, social distance, uh, socially distance. Um, when they hand out the diplomas, they'll do it in victory lane. Um, and they've got the largest TV in the world on the big Texas motor speedway property, big house TV. Yep. And so what they're going to do is they're going to have um, all the, uh, the family members and stuff that, you know, uh, have come to see, um, you know, their son or daughter, or brother, or sister. Um, cousin, whatever the case, uh, graduate, they're going to have them parked on the infield and watching the events on uh, on the Big haas TV. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I know you'd mentioned uh, that Daytona was going to be doing something similar, right, Dave? Yeah, I,
1: I know Daytona is going to be doing something similar. So what they're going to do is this just came out yesterday, and this is on the Palm Coast Observer that I looked at. So what they're going to do for seniors is they're going to allow them to take a victory lap at their graduation ceremonies on May 31st so what what the article says is that um, I mean with COVID-19 is that they want the these seniors to see the finish line when they're handed their diplomas so what they're going to do is they're going to Drive across their finish line and essentially get a checkered flag as as their diplomas, and they're going to be. You know, this was this was in part with the France family. Um, it's going to be Flagger County High Schools, um, Mantazan, or Matanzas High Schools, um, and then Flagger Palm Coast High Schools. Uh, ceremony. So it looks like three high schools are going to do this, and they're essentially going to get to take a victory lap and drive on the iconic Daytona or Daytona International Speedway. So it, it's definitely going to be big for those guys to, um, those seniors, the, the boys and girls to get their diploma like that. So it definitely is a a
2: feel-good story of that,
1: and um,
2: and these are things that have just happened here in recent days too. So it's possible you may see um, maybe even more of that. um, You know, with some of these other um, uh, speedways uh, that have a lot of space on their property uh, that may be able to um, accommodate something like this. Now, granted, um, certainly Daytona has some. uh, um unique characteristics that can allow this Texas most certainly can as well um but it's uh it's uh uh as you said very positive developments in, you know what has otherwise been some some very trying times here um not only for um high school students around the country but um you know uh many other people as well um so that's uh that's my my final thought is um you know trying to, um, accent the positivity as much as possible and, you know, seeing, um, uh, you know, seeing some of that positivity manifesting itself in, um, you know, not, not only good acts and good, uh, good deeds done, but, um, also in, uh, the possibility of, uh, seeing, uh, some racing returning to the, the track again. Yeah, I mean, it, my my final thoughts for for this
1: episode is definitely racing. Definitely, you know, we're, we're seeing some racing return to to the track, which is really which is really good. There's a lot of people looking for sports. This may this might get some new fans once we you know return to a a, a new a normal or a newer normal. Um. With this and I, I mean I think I think Definitely the next few weeks is going to Tell us You know is this going to Work if it You know we're, we're going to know It's going to take a, maybe a good week A good couple weeks to know Just knowing with COVID-19 um, You know go with Those couple week time frames Go with maybe a good month to see If this works so You know I, I, I think you know by the time we're into june i think we or end of june we're gonna know what's gonna happen but definitely the positivity the positivity the the people being positive and having to do everything um finding ways to to unite and that's what we need is to be united and that's that's how we're going to get through this and that's how the racing community is going to get through this is being united being smart like roger penske said and just taking this one day at a time and and we'll get back there so those are my final thoughts so with that said, I wish we could go into this much longer, but we, we do have to wrap this up. And for the for this episode, we appreciate you listening with us. But on the next episode, and this might actually be a next couple episodes, is local tracks. Um, how are the local tracks going to hand, handle through this? And Ellie and I have had some discussions uh, about about you know our thoughts with the local tracks and I know I've talked with our producer Ryan about it but this may be in next couple episodes of local tracks so anyone listening to this um, and I'll put it out in the group page as well please um, give us some thoughts if you're in an area or if you know people who are on a local track who may not be running or if you may have ideas for a guest maybe we'll we'll have a guest on or we'll have some comments from some of the local track owners but we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the local tracks on and COVID and um, and then hopefully we'll have some more racing updates we're looking racing coming soon so hopefully we'll have some results for you as well. So we're glad in, uh, auto racing is, is starting to come back, and we're looking forward to it. So I'm David Motti. He's Elliot Tardiff. We appreciate you guys for listening. This is from the Checker to Green podcast, and thank you for listening. Cheers, y'all. Yo. Catch you on the next round.
0: Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green Podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green Podcast.